Hi, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. Shut the fuck up. We are not done talking yet. I'm Sharla. And I'm Danielle. Together, we will be discussing current events, pop culture, writing, books, movies, and women's lives. We are smart, funny, and occasionally profane. Thanks for listening. See you on the other side. All right, everyone, welcome to Shut the Fuck Up. We are not done talking yet with Sharla and Danielle. And today we have Lila, my very own daughter. She is 25 years old. She lives in Los Angeles. She's phoning in on Zoom. And we have a bunch of questions for her because she definitely fits in the millennial category. Mm -hmm. How are you doing, Lila? Hi. I'm doing great. I wanted to say I'm a, I'm a millennial, but I'm on the very end of the millennial spectrum. So I'm one year off from being a Gen Z, which is now the very uh, popular talked about generation in the news right now. Oh, do you know the difference between the two? Like, what's the point? What's like their kind of almost stereotype? Yeah. So Gen Z are known to be um, very diverse, very, um, I don't know, ethical, like they really care about what's happening in the world. We obviously have um, a lot of this generation caring a lot about climate change. That's all great. Uh, this generation is also uh, digital natives. So they are totally addicted to their cell phones and they've only ever known what it's like to have a cell phone and be able to Google anything at any time. So I kind of relate to, to both sides. I got a cell phone when I was at what, in seventh grade and I remember dial up a little bit, but I pretty much have always had Wi-Fi in my life. <laughs> high speed, high speed, right? Speed. Yeah. <laughs> And then in the workplace, you know, I've always had uh, a laptop, I'm able to work remotely, um, all those sorts of things. So, yeah, I think I, I fit the bill kind of for, for both. Well, Lila, what, what are the official years for millennials? I think it's 95, and I was born in 94. Okay. I think the first year might be 1980. 1980 to 1995. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're, the, you're representative of millennial generation and a little bit of Z. Yeah, I'm just right at the end where um, we actually talk a lot about Gen Z at work right now because uh, my company is creating um, learning content for Gen Z. Um, and so I've been learning a lot about them and I, I definitely can re relate a little bit to being a digital native, that mm -hmm. part for sure. Uh, less so on being like so obsessed with Instagram that I get anxiety over not getting enough likes on my pictures. Um, I don't have that problem, thankfully, but that is something that, um, apparently this generation Z has a lot of trouble with. 
Right. They need constant um, affirmation that they're mm -hmm. good and that they're liked. Yeah. Exactly. And they also spend probably more time on, um, on social media talking to their friends that way than they do in person. And I don't relate to that either because I need my face-to-face -face time to feel sort of fulfilled and make sure my relationships are in check. Mm -hmm. so. uh, just on a, just a little sideways from that um, topic. Why did your generation get off of Facebook for like the most part? Um, I think part of it was probably because because our parents are on it. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Oh my God. Um, I think it just the platform itself though is is less um inviting than Instagram, which is all pictures, a little text. Um in general, I think Instagram is more entertaining versus Facebook is really like people giving these like grand life updates and it's almost too much. It's like too much information. Mm. So yeah, yeah Instagram and then Snapchat, right. which I don't use. Snapchat's also very popular now. But anyway. Is Snapchat the one that disappears or is that WhatsApp? That's Snapchat. It disappears That's, after 10 seconds. That always seems like it's in, for nefarious activities. <laughs> I think that's how it started. Um, but I don't know why. I think it's just people, it's less committal than sending a photo to someone via text. I think that's kind of the, mm -hmm. the thought. I'm not really sure. Okay, so Charlotte probably has her own stories and I have my own stories about how we had to talk on the phone, but you have to hear this. When I lived in Shanghai, I met these people who were more or less my age and in the towns that they grew up in, England, they, not, they didn't have a phone in their house. They had to walk to the town to call a friend or whatever. Same thing in Australia, this couple, they're like, oh yeah, when we want to get together, we had to walk to town and call each other. And I'm like, so already the United States is like way ahead of that. We've had tele like a middle-class family had a telephone in the house since Ozzy and Harriet. And before that, since probably, you know, I don't know, 45, 50, something like that. There's a, there's a phone in the house that, uh, you know, um, in it's a wonderful life in what's her face's house. You know, and he's like, you know, so yeah. We, so imagine that, so we're so connected and then it's really taken it to the nth degree with the phone here and it's looking down and everyone's got an injured neck. Anyway. Ironically, Dude, that's why no one really uses I've the phone to make phone calls. So. <laughs> someone asked me um, the other day, I was, at a, I was at a Halloween party and someone asked, would you rather give us your cell phone for 30 days or quick coffee for 30 days and I said my cell phone which is probably an answer that you guys would give but apparently most people my age said that self they would not be able to give up their cell phone I I would have trouble giving it would be an adjustment it, it would be weird it would right? be an adjustment but I would literally get a headache if I gave up coffee which is a whole nother problem. <laughs> yeah. 
It's a biological response. No, I would give up coffee I, because my headache would be gone in a day or two. It would be so inconvenient not to have my phone. Yeah, that's true. I Even my 85-year-old mother, you know, she, she relies on her iPhone to communicate with us. Just pretty the communicating funny. part is 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 important. Um, I actually did. I lost my phone probably two years ago, and I waited about a month to buy to, to buy a phone. So I lived in San Francisco at the time. I was able to take the bus places instead of Ubering, um, and I communicated with people on my computer. So I downloaded the iMessage app, and that was actually somewhat liberating for a month until it became inconvenient again, but I do need my phone for my job and all that, but it was kind of nice to not be so addicted to it for a little bit. Yeah, it's easy to get addicted. I'm amazed that you could take a whole month off. That's actually really yeah. impressive. Yeah. So can I ask you a question about politics? Yes. Okay, my question is, do you feel like people in your generation are politically active, sort of aware, indifferent, a little bit of all of the above? Like, what's just like your general impression? I think it's, it's all over the place. I have friends who kind of couldn't care less. I have friends that are going to all the rallies. Um, you know, I think it's kind of really all over the place. But in general, I think millennials are a lot more willing to talk about it than do something about it. Mm -hmm. Meaning Twitter and Instagram, they're getting all heated about you know, they hate Trump and the abortion bans in Georgia and all these things. But um, I'm probably guilty of this too, talking about and being angry. But then when it comes to calling your representative and all that, it's a little harder. I think our generation is not as inclined to do something unless it's kind of like a click of a button. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And same with voting. Voting is not something that millennials find easy again you have to usually write something in or go to a poll but if it were something that you could just click a button online i think a lot more people would do it oh that's yeah that is a really good point it is kind of labor intensive i i vote by mail so that the ballot comes automatically but it's still like you have to sit down and mark it up with paper and then take it to the post office or drop it off. Yeah, it does seem like very old fashioned when I think about it. Lila probably hasn't used an envelope and a stamp in a very long time. <laughs> That's actually not true. I bought stamps recently because I sent my boyfriend's mother a thank you card. Oh. Good girl, Good. you're the Good best. Good girl. <laughs> That's the only reason I needed it. <laughs> Your mother has taught you well. Yeah. Um, 
I was going to say something about the voting and well, anyway, I, I wasn't maybe Lila, you might not remember exactly, but four years ago when so many young people were support, supporting Bernie Sanders, it seemed like they supported mm -hmm. him and then they just, you know, trickled out. And then when Hillary Clinton was was running, that people didn't come out and vote for her. I'm not sure if that's yeah. true or not. I think there was definitely a, I don't know, it was almost culty, the following for Bernie. Um, kind of like, I think Elizabeth Warren has taken that over this year. Mm -hmm. People are just like obsessed with them and, and all that. And again, I think, I don't know if it's, if it's, it's a combination of people who think that, who thought that Hillary wasn't the right candidate um, and that she had a kind of sketchy background. Um, but I don't know. I don't really know why people didn't go out and vote for her and weren't as supportive. It's a mystery. Well, I, think, I don't know. I think you're right. People <laughs> tend to get, they tend to need excitement and be um, really enthusiastic to get to the polls. I mean, there are always some people who will vote, you know, no matter what's going on. That That's just what they do. They vote in any election. But then there's always like occasional voters who only vote in some elections. And I think they're the ones that have to feel really enthusiastic, either positive or negative, but I think especially positive. Mm -hmm. Do you think that, um, what about Buttigieg? Do you think he's an exciting candidate? I, I will admit I have not watched the most recent debate. Mm -hmm. I think he's, I still think he's not as exciting as Elizabeth Warren, but I can't tell you why. I think it's very exciting that we have a gay candidate, an openly gay candidate. Mm -hmm. That's very exciting, but I don't really know what his, his policies and ideas are as much. Right. Well, that's a good point because Elizabeth Warren's been out there much longer. She's extremely energetic. Mm -hmm. I mean, when she talks, she's just so excited and enthusiastic. And she really seems like she's enjoying herself on the campaign trail. Yeah, I mean, I think all those, um, the people that have a really strong following almost feel more like someone who can be your friend more than they can necessarily be your, your president. <laughs> I think um, like Obama is, hands down just like cool he feels like my friend's cool dad yes <laughs> and then bernie is like your cool grandpa and elizabeth warren is like your cool aunt <laughs> and then like pete i don't really i don't really know who he is <laughs> he's your cousin but you haven't really met him so you don't know much about him. yeah he's like an extended cousin who i'm sure is really cool but he lives in um he lives on the east coast so i don't see him very often <laughs> Well, Lila, another thing not, like, not to keep oh sorry go ahead i was just going to ask are you feeling like you might be working on a presidential campaign sometime between now and next november like doing what uh my mom does and and call people to urge them to vote that sort of thing <laughs> yeah i'd be interested i'm definitely would need a little nudge um, to find the right organization and something that can fit in my schedule. Right. But I would definitely 
be interested if I could make an impact and, you know, try and help Mr. Trump not be our president again. Well, your mother and I were really getting into texting for a while there. I guess mm -hmm. it was like before the midterms, right? Sent, In I sent possibly 200,000 texts. I was on wow. it. I was doing so many. I get those texts from Bernie because I, I went to his, uh, his rally here in Santa Monica and not because I necessarily want to vote for him, but, you know, I've never been to a rally. It was cool. Um, and now I get all his texts from like, hey, it's Sarah. Hey, it's Lindsay. Hey, it's Richard. Are you going to come to the next thing? And like, you know. That was us. That was us. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we need to switch topics just a teeny bit. What do you think of the environment and your future as the people in at your age group? Honestly, I mostly try not to think about it because it just makes me sad. When people, I have a lot of friends who um, have said, like, I don't want to have children anymore because who knows what the world will look like in 20 years even. Mm -hmm. um, it's, yeah, like creating a human to come into this kind of crazy fucked up world. Um, but yeah, when I, yeah, when I think about it, I, I do everything I personally can, I think, um, to, to have a better impact on the world. Um, could probably do more like beach cleanups and all that, but, um, I think I probably rely too much on our elected officials to do something, which I really, you know, I really do believe that the most change can happen up there and at private companies too. Um, they have such a big impact on the world, but yeah, overall it, it's sad. It's, I'm not going to have, like my kids are probably not going to have the, the same childhood that I did. So that's the overwhelming, and that's not just yours, but you would say many people you know feel that way? Yeah. I mean, I'm also obviously speaking on behalf of my friends that, you know, the majority agree with me. We're more left leaning. Um, I don't have any friends that are super Republican and don't believe in climate change. Um, they should not yeah. listen to our show because a couple weeks ago, I went on a rant. Charlotte was a little tired, but I went berserk about climate change. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they should listen and they can be informed. But no, I think all these, a lot of people, yeah. who again, they're not in my circle. I don't know what their thoughts are, but um, no, in general, I think people are, are sad and, and maybe angry at people like Trump that pull out of the Paris mm -hmm. Accord. Is that what it's called? Yeah. The nightmare. Yeah. And Lila, be, um, since you and I have had a couple of conversations about, probably more than a couple, um, about that, there was a time where I, since I have two daughters, I thought I might have four grandchildren. And now I'm like, I'm going to just go with one. 
maybe one of my daughters will have one and that's going to be fine. You know, cause yeah. it's, it's different. I, you know, I got married, I had two children. It was like pretty normal. You know, some folks that are super excited about it have three or four, but the rest of us, you know, we're like, you know, what do you call it? You'd reproduce yourself and then you're done, mm -hmm. but we can't yeah. do it. We can't do it. There aren't enough resources. Where are the diapers going to go? I know. I also flip flop. Not that not that I'm close to having children of my own, but I kind of flip flop and have you know eventually when I think about my future plans in life of wanting to have my own children, and then part of me is like, well, that's not great for the environment. The number one worst thing you can do for the environment is have your own kids. <laughs> um, so then I'm like, like, should I adopt? And I don't know. I don't know what I'll do. I'm probably five years from that so okay that's too much stress i'm not putting that on you just saying i know i know i know but it's it's weird it's something that i mean you guys probably never thought about we didn't be we and we knew a little bit about this that this heat that this global warming thing was going to happen but it was very vague in 1990 it was it wasn't right. there yet right Right. Uh, I mean, another thing to think about, and I know I keep, I, I keep bringing this conversation back to sort of social media and all the information we have access to, but, um, and not saying that news organizations are bad, as our lovely president likes to talk about all the time, but I do think that we have so much more information being kind of spat at us all the time, um, which just makes, makes life slightly more anxious. Um, mm -hmm. and so I think people are just talking about it more than they were in the nineties. Right. We, you know what we had in the nineties, FM radio and CNN and a newspaper Yeah. and a, and a mm -hmm. paper, paper, a paper newspaper. So you're right. It's like, it was slower to, you know, information got disseminated and it was less frightening that way. Right. Sharla. I think that's really true. And now it's just so 24 yeah. seven, everything is dramatic as well. I mean, cable, mm -hmm. cable news, you don't even have to listen to the content, just the sound of it creates anxiety. You know, everything is breaking, like breaking news. It, everything is breaking news now. It doesn't wow. even have to be truly newsworthy, but it's always breaking news. Yeah, I think it does create this, non-stop sense of anxious anxiety and chaos it's hard to yeah, turn it this, off it's this difficult balance of wanting to be informed so that i'm not you know ignorant or just i don't know stupid um but also wanting to take care of my my mental well-being right so i think i think uh maybe there's certain news outlets that present the information a little nicer or maybe we should be a little anxious because life isn't perfect I don't know <laughs> well I feel like reading a newspaper is usually a calmer experience than watching something on television or YouTube you can sort of absorb yeah. it slowly and you don't have you don't have the same um, intensity that the that TV has. Yeah, I mean, video in general is a bit more uh, 
it kind of controls your emotion, like how you feel about the story mm -hmm. more than just reading a story. Um, Where do you feel yeah. like you like to go to get news? Like what's your, your favorite places to go get news? I actually really dislike broadcast media. I do not watch the news that way ever. Mm -hmm. um, I have my Apple News that curates news for me and it's nice because it has the top stories at the top like if there's something terrible that happened like I don't know a mass shooting or um, if there's some new survey that we still know um, that's up there but then I can also scroll down to like health and wellness which is usually more uplifting or um, stories about sports like you know it kind of categorizes it for you so you can get the news that you need, the important things, but you can also skip over it if it's, if it's too much, if it's right. too overwhelming. Um, and, and then I also actually uh, follow nearly every big news source on Instagram. So I look through all that. Oh, see, I, that would never even occur to me. Yeah. So, I mean, at least while I'm just scrolling endlessly through that I can pick up bits and pieces of information or um, sometimes it's nice because there'll be story like there'll be more like heartwarming stories mixed in with all of the, the crazy political stuff right so basically but newspapers you would read sort of via Apple News mm -hmm. yeah like I, I read the New York Times um, if there's an article online um, the only other one I ha I actually um, have a an Atlantic subscription that comes to me. And mm -hmm. That's the only piece that I read on paper. Oh, that is very retro. <laughs> yeah, I like it because it has a perfect mix of current events and culture, technology, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So again, I can skip over the ones that kind of make me anxious and get to the ones that are about, I don't know, I read this very cool story about the guy who uh, banned um, those leaf blowers in DC. Okay. And it didn't happen because it, uh, it didn't happen because they complained about how bad they are for the environment, but because they complained about how noisy and terrible they were and then it worked <laughs> oh that's interesting yeah so that's kind of maybe a way to go about it if you can't prove that it's terrible for the environment say it's unpleasant and then it'll get <laughs> something will get banned <laughs> you know that i would love that because that is one of my pet peeves leaf blowers it's yeah, close. it's blowing all the uh, the dust in the air and the pollen. So it just fell. The pollen just fell, and then it blows it up again, so people can have allergies to it. It's terrible. Exactly. Terrible, terrible. Now you must own a car where you live, right? I do. Yeah, you kind of need one in LA. Yeah. Do you have an electric vehicle? I don't, but once. Once this car dies, eventually, I will certainly want to lease 
an electric one, I hope, if it's in my price range. Yeah, your mom is, uh, she's quite the EV person. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. driven her car, it's fun. <laughs> I'm, it, only, it only charges 38 miles, but it's very useful. I barely use any gas in my existence. I just don't use much, so it's good. What are you thinking about for your future? Do you see yourself um, someday owning a house? Is that something that you have on your list? Yeah, I'm sort of, I mean, I'm definitely a little, I don't know. <laughs> I want to say like, I would like to, I guess, but I've also thought about it more and read articles and it makes it sound a little bit like it's something we're thought that we need to do something that we're like trained that as a to be an adult you need to own a home um like to be a successful adult a fulfilled adult when if it means that you don't get to live in the place that you want to live is that worth it um there's also all these added costs of owning a home that people don't talk about for some reason. <laughs> that Versus is really if, true. If you're, a, if you're a renter, you can call your landlord and they'll come fix it. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe there's a more a different thing. You can be a renter, but then you can invest your money in some other way, and it works out kind of the same. I don't know idea. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, that's a good I point. Think, um, I do think I will probably never be a homeowner in California in the places that I would want to live in California. I could probably maybe be a homeowner in like the Valley or something, but um, what if I don't want to live there? What if I want to live in Santa Monica for the rest of my life? Like, why don't I just keep paying rent? I don't know, but um, I would maybe consider moving somewhere. Like people always say Denver as like a great place to, to live as an alternative alternative to California um but what if I don't want to live in Denver <laughs> right right yeah I mean people in New York rent for the, their whole lives yes of course that's right and no one yeah I think I think partially it's the uh, owning a home is um like we're buying a home is part of societal pressure well, there is a lot of pressure. I think some of it's actually economic in the sense that the real estate industry, the construction industry, even like home furnishings, there's so many um, industries that depend on people owning houses and building houses. It's a huge mm -hmm. chunk of the American economy. Mm -hmm. So I think it kind of it creates this sense that that's the main way that you could build wealth you know and it works out sometimes it worked out for people like you know my parents generation people who came back after world war ii and bought houses and mm -hmm. you know then later they sold them for like amazing amounts of money they really had an amazing amount of appreciation that you can't always assume is going to happen and obviously, sometimes housing prices fall apart. Yeah. You know, that. and, and th that there's has happened more than a... once in California. <laughs> totally. 
that I think there's also these like these hidden costs that people don't talk about like how much it costs to sell your house mm -hmm. or to stage it like all those little things I don't know how much is is that all worth I know yes. it's a lot it's a lot in the end there's a chunk of money you're paying to the realtor who sold your house and it's it's substantial yeah. I think also there's a lot of upkeep in a house and unless you have like a handy husband like my husband is mm -hmm. i mean we would be spending so much money having things fixed around the house but he yeah. does but you know if i didn't have him i would be calling someone and paying them if i could find someone there's like a lot of headache i have a drip in my sink for 18 months 18 months and we have a call into the the handyman for about six. He's like, I'm too busy. I can't. I'm like, it's gonna take you five minutes. He's like, I can't come over. Right. It's like That's it's too um, small of a job. Uh, hey, get this. My uh, Santa Monica apartment, the bathroom, flooded with brown water. We don't know what it was, but you can probably guess. Oh. And thankfully, they came that day. So it's kind of like the the con is living in a old kind of shitty literally apartment um but the pro is that they came that day to fix it i know i hope they cleaned it up well that sounds terrible yeah it was gross we threw out some towels we let's change the subject a little bit i wanted to ask you about okay tattoos uh -huh. It seems like everybody in your generation, except maybe you, have tattoos. And they're not just like a little tiny butterfly someplace. They're like incredible sleeves of incredibly colorful tattoo art. So I'm like, yeah, what do you think about that? Are you into tattoos? Are your friends into tattoos? Yeah. I'm probably the worst person to ask about tattoos and the fascination with them because I've said a million times that I want one and then I, I don't know if I actually do. Um, if I were to get something, I would get one of those tiny little butterfly tattoos that you can only see when I'm wearing a bathing suit sort of thing. Right, right. Um, except for I would get a cat, of course. <laughs> but, but no, like, I, I don't know. I don't really... I don't really know why people like want to have them. I don't know if it's like to be unique so that their skin doesn't look like everyone else, um, that they love art and they want a piece of art on them forever. Um, but no, I, I have, a, I have most of my friends just have a few that are not really visible. Um, and then there's of course uh, my sister and my cousin who, have sleeves almost um but they're also people that are have just are more uh, i don't know artsy for lack of a better word <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i don't know if in, i there are people at work who have tattoos i remember my first day on the job ever um at my first at my first job my hr manager was who was onboarding me was 
fully had full sleeves and I was like oh cool like this is work now this is totally normal and it was and it was normal yeah I mean if the HR person has got it that's pretty mainstream yeah so I don't think most people care um again I also I'm in California I work in San Francisco and now LA it's like pretty relaxed um so I don't think people, like employers really care um maybe they would a bit more if you were like in sales and you were customer facing right perhaps um but I'm not sure I don't I yeah I don't know I'm not I don't really understand the obsession with it it's also very expensive oh is it it certainly looks painful yeah yeah I'm sorry I'm not I'm like not yeah you probably cry yeah. <laughs> I was also going to ask you, speaking of the workplace, what's it like to work with people who are older? I mean, do you find that they have a different approach to things? Do you ever feel like you guys aren't on the same wavelength because of your age difference? That is a great question. Um, I actually love being on the younger side at my office. Um, at my last job, there were a handful of people that were right around my age and then also people that were like 40, 50 plus. Now on my marketing team, I am, I think the youngest person out of 50 people. Most people are 30, 30, 35. And then there's also older people that are more like my parents' age. Um, I like working with, with all of them. I think um, I also work in technology. So everyone that I work with is not like the, you know, classic, hey, Lila, can you show me how to do this <laughs> um, on the computer? Like they, they can't ask those questions. Right. You know, like they work, they work in technology, but um, perhaps in the way that they, I know, but also even the way that they think is, is quite innovative. They're not like stuck in their ways or anything mm -hmm. so far from what I've experienced, which is great. More, I see it as an opportunity to learn from people that have been in the industry for 20 years, that sort mm -hmm. of thing. And I hope that they don't look at me and go, oh, you're my kid's age. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you feel that... Um your generation has a better like work-life balance as opposed to people who work all the time and work late yeah so it's so just so you know my my work my job right now i um my employer is a talent management software provider um and we do a lot of thought leadership around what work should look like so mm -hmm. I'm reading articles and writing articles all the time about you know work-life balance and the future of work and how technology impacts how we work that sort of thing so I've seen kind of a mix um, I've seen in the news like the fact that uh, millennials are responsible for or the remote workforce you know, I could go on, I could go to Hawaii with my family for 
two weeks or whatever and spend a week of that online the whole time and getting paid. That's pretty cool. And um, there's also this whole gig economy that my generation created um, where you can freelance here and there and then you can obviously do whatever you want with the rest of your time. At the same time, there's also, I think, the like Google culture where people quote grind and they brag about that. Uh-huh. They love to like post on social media. I was at the office until 10 p.m. Haha, like that sort of thing. And and I so I think it's both. Ah, uh, that's a really yeah. good point. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I was kind of under the impression that like younger people who had watched their parents like get laid off and mm-hmm. had a certain amount of, you know, insecurity in their careers had maybe drawn the conclusion that you don't want to like totally sink everything into your job um, and depend totally on your employer that maybe you have a little bit more of distance between yourself and your employer, kind of realizing that, you know, they could lay you off at any moment and Mm -hmm. that you have to be more responsible for your career. You're going to change jobs many, many times and have different employers. And then that kind of gives you a different attitude toward work, maybe, than, you know, people of my generation did. Yeah. Um, I think, well, again, I've only ever worked in in tech and tech workplaces are sort of notorious for being fun and like all about the employee and making sure that they're happy and work hard, play hard sort of thing. Right, right. Um, so I've never noticed some, and, and I've always been friends with my coworkers, which has been really nice. Um, but yeah, I think, I don't know. I don't think people are, are, are scared. I think people are also more empowered to change jobs, like mm-hmm. how to be their own choice. Job hopping is way bigger now. People do not spend 30 years at the same job anymore, <laughs> typically. Right. They, you know, three, four years maybe seven years. There are people at my company that have been there for 10 years and I'm like, that's wild. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I think especially the tech world, that was where my career was. It was very common, two to three years, especially if you were moving around from one startup to the next. Uh Uh-huh. My CEO said this at his last uh, all all company meeting, all hands meeting, um, saying that they want to, there's a certain balance of the amount of people they want to retain and the amount of new people they want to bring in to have a certain amount of innovation, like an innovative thinking. It's actually good to have new people come in and share their thoughts. And then it's also good if there's toxic people and they leave. Oh, yes. <laughs> And like, how terrible would it be if you were working at a company for 20 years and you had your terrible coworker that you hated and you had to see every day and spend 40 hours a week with? 
I believe most people like that are in government jobs, not to speak ill of the government, <laughs> but that is, I think, where people do run into that kind of um, entrenched people who are just really lazy and won't do anything. Yeah, <laughs> I, maybe. Drive people crazy. Yeah, I think, um, I think definitely. Oh, yeah, that's a thing. It's a thing. Workplace bullying. Um, I think generally people my age expect to like work enough where they won't tolerate it if, if they're not happy. Mm -hmm. um, meaning like they have to like both the job that they're doing and feel fulfilled from that and like the people that they're with and the culture that the company offers you. And if your company and your job doesn't check both of those buckets, then they're out of there. That's actually seems like that seems very healthy because you know you spend an incredible amount of time um, at work. It's a huge chunk of your life, so you should like it, really. I agree. I think um, actually bring, coming back to what I was saying earlier, I think um, people. People in my age, they want to, like I said, like work. Um, and those that do the whole grinding thing, do it because they like it, not because mm -hmm. they are forced to or their manager asked them to or because they're getting paid over time. It's like typically they are doing it because they enjoy their work and they enjoy the people they're doing work with, mm -hmm. which is a good thing. That's a positive. Yeah, and they're investing themselves in it. They're working really hard. They're getting their shirts cleaned at work, eating all their meals at work. And then if they kick ass on it so bad, they're going to like make a ton of money at some point, maybe. I mean, likely, right? So that's, you know, a work. It's a strategy. <laughs> it's a strategy. I think it is a, a bummer for people who like have families and mm -hmm. or like, you know, like girlfriend at home that sort of thing that would be a total bummer if they're never totally. there. terrible yeah i was just thinking but that's the, the other thing. thing parental leave policies are better than ever mm -hmm. more incentive for you to have a baby <laughs> i know my company also just made it better you get if i had a baby right now i'd get 14 weeks off paid wow gtfo that's insane <laughs> That's a lot. That's like that's like <laughs> yeah. Europe. They they actually they they spaced it out so you had a little bit of a certain amount of time is for your body to recover and then the other time is for baby bonding. Mm -hmm. That um, seems very, very humane. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I think that most companies should be, if not if they're not already, treating their people like people. That's awesome. I know it's a, it's a surprising concept. Not all employers operate that way. No, I know. Especially the, you know, if you work in, or if you're like an hourly employee, it's a little different, I think. Well, I think also the tech world is such an information knowledge-based industry. I think that employers maybe are a little bit more progressive sometimes because they realize that they do depend on their employees in a way mm -hmm. that maybe a manufacturing organization thinks, eh, they're interchangeable. We can put anybody into this job. But 
a knowledge-based industry really needs innovation and needs individual unique people. People really aren't interchangeable. Yeah. 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 So yeah, how are they going to keep their people there? Yeah. Pay and with a place that makes them happy to go to work every day. Yeah. I think that's, um, I think that that really speaks well for a better work environment for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm just, I think we kind of need to wrap it up. And Sharla, I'm wondering if you have a last question for Lila. Let's see. Did I cover all the ones that I had? Climate, politics, tattoos. <laughs> we're good. Okay. <laughs> Those were my most compelling things to this discuss. This is very important. All three of us look at each other. One day we'll go to Burning Man again. Okay, so okay. pinky promise, pinky promise, we'll go to Burning Man again. Anytime. Um, yeah, and I just want to um, thank Lila, who is my daughter, for coming on the show, and I'm very proud of you, and you're very well-spoken, and I like the way that you're um, resting in the middle of uh, millennial and, and uh, Z, Gen Z. So interesting yeah. discussion. I think all people from all ages will learn a lot from listening. And I was awesome. Yeah, thanks so much, thanks Lila. Thanks for having me. This was fun. You got it. We'll come back. We'll call you again when we have an urgent question. Perfect. Yeah, call me in. All right, cool. Okay, bye for now. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. You can get more information about it on facebook.com backslash Sharla Danielle podcast.